Steve, that was so sick. Did you hear that? That was perfect timing. That was so sick. That gets sick. a golf clip. That, that gets a golf clap. Dude, I think that means that that song is officially the new Best of Five Countdown song. I, I think so. Dude, oh, oh, for those of you that missed it. That. Yeah, for those of you that missed it, the, 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 we changed the song for the countdown. It's no longer Night Trap. Rest in pepperonis. Um, you know, you, you better beware. It might sometimes be Night Trap. I got to give myself, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to have to download things. I don't want to have to update anything. Mm-hmm. You know, what I got is what I got. So it yeah. might be Night Trap at some point. For sure. Uh, you better beware. You better be good. You better beware. Night Trap. But anyway, uh, the song ended like right on the dot when it hit zero. It was amazing and the most perfectly well-timed thing I think I have ever been a part of. Thanks. Welcome to Best of Five. Hello. It's been a hot minute. Good to see you all again. We have that mean scene hanging out. We have Lead Dragon. We have Steve. We have Ultra David. We have me. We're back, everybody. Oh, he, he wasn't here for the tier lists. No, he wasn't. And that, I, I think, I, is a discussion that you'll have to have with him. <laughs> you weren't here for the tier lists either. No, I was not. I was trying not to die in more ways than one. I'm glad you didn't. Lead... Well, all right. I could make a joke, but maybe in the interest of not sounding too dark, let's move on. Uh, we love you, Alon. <laughs> we love you. Manic. It's it's Manic Thursday, everybody. Tonight on the show, we're going to talk about CEO 2022 and how that's coming up. Uh, if you want to go, good luck finding a hotel. Apparently, all that's sold out. Uh, we're going to talk about the price of entering fighting games, which is a topic that has been discussed a lot. Over this week, it has been discussed a lot, like since I became a part of the FGC. So we're gonna dive into it. Uh, since we've been gone, we haven't gotten a chance to discuss all of the investments and acquisitions, including Microsoft buying out Blizzard in quite possibly the biggest acquisition and like most industry shifting purchase ever to happen. If it goes, yeah, through. we there. There's only like three gaming companies left. There were hundreds. Yep. We're down to just four. Absolutely. And uh, it's one of them is the one that makes Honey Pop. Yep. That's the only one. <laughs> That's the only indie left. Oh, man. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Bungie acquisition, which, for those of you that don't know, Sony bought Bungie. It seems like on the surface that it doesn't mean much. However, if you dig down just below the surface, we're going to follow some breadcrumbs that were left. We're going to go sleuthing a little bit. We're not going to have a full sleuthing segment, mind you. But there's a lot of stuff in there that I think is shaping up to be also very industry shifting. But in a very, like, in a less impactful way and a more, like, future long-term way. So that'll be interesting to talk about. I can't wait. We're going to talk about Biking. Biking came out. I've been playing her a lot. She's been fun. And then we're going to talk about KOF because that's coming up. We're also going to talk about... Blue. Blue. I need to change that. It's no longer Tuesday, but Blue. The man, the myth, the legend for 40 months. Thank you. Anime FGC News on Twitter. Make sure you give them a follow. For sure. Greetings. That's Pathos. He's a buddy of mine. I don't think I've ever seen him in here. What's up, Pathos? All right. Steve, it's been a while. I think I still have everything hooked up, so this should theoretically work. Well, it's a short one, so if it doesn't work, we can dip out right away. It's all good. Okay. 
Well, Steve, are you ready? I'm ready. Hit us with the recap. One big event of no <laughs> All right, go. <laughs> One big event of note this past week. The final qualifier for Arc Revo America. Uh, the U.S. West had their shot at getting into the dance. Symbolist and Jonathan Tene were the ones that got that took advantage of it. They finished one and two. They got the qualifying spots. Apology Man and Stealthy rounding out the top four. Little surprising to some people to see Kizzy K not in Arc Revo. Unfortunately, he finished tied for fifth along with Clock. Uh, Aaron Demack and Don rounding out your top eight. So we do have the full list of qualifiers settled for Arc Revo, and we can look at them right now. We've got USA well represented with Days, Exalancer, Flash, Metroid, Hitachi, Razo, and Jonathan Tene. Uh, we've got, uh, excuse me, Remy Celeste from Canada, and along with Peppery Splash. Uh, Cheeto and one of these, one of them is from Mexico. Uh, Cheeto and <laughs> <laughs> I made it one per list. All right, one point per list. So let me go over it. Cheeto, Days, Excellencer, Flash, Metroid, Hotashi, Jonathan Tene, Peppery Splash, Razo, Remy Celeste, Symbolist. Those are your ten finalists. Uh, they will be facing off mid-March and that is the recap hit us up with that yeah yeah oh I messed it up again F I almost said the F word again Uh, no graphic for what to watch this week there is one event that I've got my eye on and that is the 13-0 games this is the uh, tournament hosted by Perfect Legend. Uh, the it's an open bracket. Though the top thirteen finishers on Saturday get their chance to uh, face off against PL on Sunday in a first to thirteen. However, if you don't thirteen zero him, he wins the set. It's crazy. So, and there's also, thank you for Blue um, for reminding me, Arc Revo Asia, uh, Japan and Korea, they get their events this weekend as well. Awesome. Well, hey, Steve, thanks for that recap. Uh, I'll That's get better that. at the way I have this set up. It's a little bit complicated. It, we're, we're a little bit out of sync. We're a little bit... Um, I, it, we're getting on the bicycle again. We're remembering how to pedal. We're remembering that the brakes are, are the squeeze and not the r- pedal in reverse. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, now, something important. Shiggity Shank asks, no stack versus pokey recap. Uh, and to that, I sh- share this image that I fight shared on Twitter that I think is perfect for... I was just waiting for somebody to ask. It's... So there you go. <laughs> I, I feel like that is so much... That is much more of a 
internet in general thing mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. something specific to the FGC. Absolutely, so, but it is very. We, we do dumb. We do lots of dumb stuff, but we are not alone in our dumb stuffery. Absolutely, and that is that is a uh, actual word. You can you can play it on Wordle. Now it's in the list. To be completely hypocrite, to be completely hypocritical. Stupidly hypocritical, if you will. Let's talk about Twitter discourse. <laughs> it's ten dollars too low for an entry to a fighting game. Uh, this was a big topic of discussion uh, over the weekend, uh, and it is uh, the ten dollar uh, entry fee for a game, not venue fee, mind you. Venue fee is completely different. We're talking about the entry fee for a bracket. It's usually about $10. So the way, for those of you that have not attended a tournament in person, the way that it goes is you go to Smash GG, you sign up, and you pay, I think it's what, like 30, 40 bucks for the venue fee plus $10 per game, depending on the game. It could be higher, it could be lower, it depends on the tournament. So you enter per bracket that you play, per game that you play, and you pay the big venue fee to get into the tournament to get your badge. Now, the big discussion is... $10 has been the standard for entering tournaments for as long as I've been a part of the fighting game community at this point, as long as I've been competing. Um, and the argument is, should this be raised? Everything else has gone up. This $10 uh, price has kind of generally stayed the same. And if it does go up, who does it benefit? Who does it benefit? Is it good? Is this a way for us to finally get rid of the archaic top-heavy payouts uh, for tournaments? Steve, what do you think? It, it's you know from the perspective of someone who has dealt with numbers, uh, who has dealt with numbers, geez. who's dealt with. Uh, payouts and tracking these sort of things both you know for my own interest and you know in my previous roles as in FGC journalism the one of my biggest things has been payouts you know it we are so top heavy a lot of a lot of events you know use often like a 50 20 10 so on and so on split for uh, the price pool. So if you're at a 40 person tournament and you make top eight, you get paid, you know, the top eight out of that 40 gets paid. If you make top eight out of a thousand person bracket at Evo, that doesn't necessarily make sense. You know, if, if you finish in the top 1% of all finishers and you still get nothing. That often rubs people the wrong way. The trade-off is our because of the entry fees. Now, as he said, tournament fees are the portion of your entry fee that goes into the pot, and the pot is usually that plus if there's any sort of pot bonus from the developer. And most events do not have that, especially right now. That is the entire prize pool. So now events, you know, are stuck between this choice where if you go with a steeper payout structure like the 50-20-10, you have a large 
chunk of that money going to the winner, and then the the fifth and seventh place finishers often not even getting enough to cover the event, even though they made top eight. If you go to a softer curve like Evo did uh, a f- for one year, where it's like 36% of the prize pool gets, uh, or 36% of the prize pool goes to the winner, uh, then you have situations where winning a big event doesn't feel properly, uh, it doesn't feel like people are being properly rewarded for that. So, it though that's a very hard magic balance to strike. Um, so, so do we, you know, in terms of raising it, I think for some events it makes sense. If you're going to Evo, yeah. And I, I've been talking for a while, so I'll let you jump in because I have a lot more to say on that, but uh, go ahead. So my concern is this, and it's from a very ego, like not egotistical. It's from a very selfish perspective. I'm already forking, off, forking over 60 bucks just to get into the tournament. Money don't grow on trees. I like playing more than one game. So it's difficult to pick what I'm going to play already as it is. So raising the prices from, again, from a very selfish perspective, it's going to make it harder for me to want to go to a tournament. Right? And I think this was part of the big, uh, why this turned into such a big argument. And it is... I'm already paying, uh, I'm paying to get into the tournament. I'm paying to play in the bracket. Uh, realistically, unless like the planets align and like the Lord Zeus imbues me with some kind of knowledge that I don't understand, I don't see myself winning anything. So I'm never going to see that money again. And that's fine. And I think for 10 bucks, I'm okay with that. But for 20 bucks? I start questioning a little bit more. Uh, And at the end of the day, is this going to deter people who go to tournaments for fun? Not necessarily for competition. Well, like for competition, but not to to win. Because mostly for tournaments, for me, it's I go, I compete, I try my best. I maybe make it out of pools, hopefully. Uh, The rest of it is just hanging out with people I know. And that's like the big social aspect of it. And I would still like to keep going. However, if it gets to the point where I can't afford to go to a tournament and play the games that I want to play because the prices are so high, then I'm going to start questioning that. And then that also causes less people to enter the tournament, which then causes less money to be distributed. So that's I think that's the big like antithesis of the argument of raise it so that we can spread the money around. The antithesis is, are we going to be able to, is the general population who goes to play going to be able to afford it? And will those people keep going with this price change? Let, let me counter with something with, uh, let me throw some numbers at you. Uh, you talk about CEO. And I did? You, 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 well, we mentioned CEO, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but talk about the cost of going to an event. Mm-hmm. Let's add it up real quick. Because registration for CEO, early bird registration, is $90 plus tax. That's before you add any games on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm looking at hotwire.com. Cheapest round trip flight uh, to and from Orlando from where I'm at is 400. Hotel would probably be, you know, depending on how many how many ways I'm splitting it, anywhere from a hundred to a few hundred. So I'm already looking at spending several hundred dollars before I even pick any games. Is going from like seven thirty to seven sixty really going to be a, a deterrent? If you're talking about a CEO, if you're talking about an Evo, if you're talking about a, a, a big, big event like that, everything else involved in going to the event is already so expensive, relatively speaking, that I don't think it's necessarily going to be as big of a deterrent as some people might think. Now, for smaller events, absolutely. If you're talking about a local or a regional, I, I feel like you're going to have more people who are more sensitive, uh, who are going to be more price sensitive. But when you are talking about an event like a CEO, like a Combo Breaker, like an Evo, a destination sort of event where people are coming from around the country and around the world to get to anyway... I don't necessarily think that it's the worst environment in the world to, to try something a little different in terms of pricing. Now, I did see uh, a suggestion in chat. Uh, from Shiggy that, Shank. Yeah, from Shiggy Shank. And, he, and some people mentioned that uh, Texas Showdown did this, where you had different games being different prices. Like, if you're, you know, Guilty Gear... Or melty, or like Guilty Gear being twenty or twenty-five instead of ten, you know, for whatever the biggest games are at the event, and then having the smaller games be like ten dollars or even five or what have you, maybe that in, you know, maybe that incentivizes people to who who want to go primarily for social. Say okay, you know what, I don't have to play Guilty. I can play Yadagarasu. Or I can play Fantasy Strike and, you know, just have some fun that way. Mm -hmm. So one counterpoint to that, and I'm, I'm fairly sure I can assume that we've all been there where $10 is a day's worth of food. So paying an extra $20, $30 seems like an impossible task. I've been through it. I'm sure many of us have as well. And that's, I think, the part that kind of scares me a little bit. Granted, I'm very uh, fortunate that at this point, $20, $30, while it does make a difference, I can fork over the money. Um, and somebody, and Shiggy Shank also mentioned, uh, would the experience be worse if you could only play two games instead of four or whatever? Absolutely. And here's why. And I think this was a topic of discussion at... Uh, uh, I, I can't remember if I saw it maybe on Ultra Chan a while back or something, but going to a tournament is already like in itself a huge thing, right? doesn't matter if it's a regional, doesn't matter if it's an Evo. Like traveling to go compete is a big undertaking. If you show up to play one game, which I have done, and I'm sure many of us have as well, uh, you get there on Friday, you play your casuals, you play, you know, do whatever. 
Saturday, you... Like, I can actually specifically remember uh, Summer Jam 2013. No, Summer Jam 2014. I went... I could only play Street Fighter 4 very badly. Uh, I showed up, like, miraculously saved just enough money to go. Showed up, went 1 and 2. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to go home. <laughs> There's nothing left for me here. Uh, so... Like, and I didn't play any other game just because I didn't feel comfortable doing so. However, as I've started branching out into playing more games, that has become, like, the tournament experience in playing multiple games has made it a richer experience in the sense that, like, after I lose one game, it's like, oh, that was fun. Let me go to hang out with these other people that I know from this other game. Like, play, like, go one and two on that, whatever. Then move on to the next one, right? So you get to, like, kind of make your rounds. You see all the people that you know that you've seen before. You know, rub shoulders with everybody. Uh, granted, now, during COVID times, it's a little bit different. Uh, but, yeah, it's like it It doesn't feel good thinking, oh, man, I spent all of this money getting to this place to go one and two to the point where I don't even feel like staying here until tomorrow, <laughs> right? It's like what else is there to do? Uh with that said, though, now, as opposed to 2014, uh, there are a lot more things to do at tournaments. There's a lot more casuals to be had. There's a lot more side tournaments, more fun stuff to be had. Uh, so maybe my argument is mute. Moot. Mute? Moot. Moot. Uh, Invalid. Invalid. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of how I felt at the time. And I can't help but feel... That I may not be the only person that feels that felt that way. Yeah, we're you know we are talking uh, as people who are not only established in the FGC is probably not the word I want to mm -hmm. go with, but we've been here for a while. Relatively speaking, we're, we're you know we didn't just start last year. For one, and for two, you know we are compared to a lot of uh, people who are entering tournaments and traveling, we're on the older side of things. Yeah, we're ancient. We're, <laughs> yeah, we have a little more financial stability than some of the people who are coming to these events, who are you know either students or work part-time or what have you. So we, we got to remember... Or at least, you know, I got to remember when I'm talking about this, that my perspective isn't necessarily the only one that that matters here. Mm -hmm. You know, you have people who, you know, if you do raise the price up 10, you know, to, to $20, it does make a difference. It, it is the proverbial straw that might break the cam camel's back in terms of whether or not they go to an event. Yeah, I'm sure you've also, like, I've heard countless horror stories of, like, even before I was in the FGC of people, like, not having enough money to come back home after a tournament and having to, like, money match their way home, basically. So, like, <laughs> while that's, like, an amazing story to tell, I can't help but feel like <laughs> there have been, like, even worse stories that have come out of things like that. There, there is, that does remind me of a story, and I for, 
get for the life of me if this was on the option select or um, Scoop Newsman. But it was responsible player starts uh, GoFundMe for tournament attendance months before event. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... FGCNN, that was the... FGCNN? Uh, oh, that's hilarious. I have to... Please God. send me a link to that. Uh, not right now, but later. I, I don't know if it's still around, though. That sounds amazing. Now, here's the thing. At the end of the day, the... I think... Is raising the price of entering a game going to be awful? No. Is it going to deter people from attending? Maybe. Uh, does it help with uh, spreading out the wealth, as it were, for uh, the people who do finish in the top 8 or top 32? Depends on how many people decide not to go because of those extra $10. Uh, I think this is definitely something that I'd be interested in seeing. And to the argument, uh, I think it was Javi who runs Texas Showdown who first like initiated this. Uh, at least in like within this week or last week, not like initiated this argument because this has been going on for a while. But I think the the big point he had to make, which I kind of can't disagree with, is every other thing has inflated, right? Tournament entry, like venue fees have inflated, prices of everything have inflated. Like John says, sup John. Uh, so having is having the game entry fee stay the same is that a big negative when everything else is going up should that go up as well to help people like to help grow our scene essentially because the more people are making money winning stuff the more people have reason to spend their time playing fighting games right but but i think the one counter argument i would say to that is even if you you know double the prize pool if if you raise it to $20 and everybody you know the same number of people enter it's not you know outside of that top 8 you're it's not necessarily career changing money mm-hmm. either way you know cuz if you're let me pull up the calculator if you get fifth place which is often uh 4% of a five thousand dollar prize pool, you're you're taking home two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. If you double that to four hundred, is that necessarily the difference between you staying in in the scene, or at the very least continuing on the path to be a top player who wants to make money off of this? I think the big the big missing piece is. We don't have outside sponsorship uh, contributing to these prize pools. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And However, I, I do want to. I would. I do want to point a counterpoint because you do. You do bring up a very good point. Is four hundred dollars isn't life changing money, but it is flight money for the next tournament. So, so you're effectively breaking even. Yeah. You can, My point isn't necessarily the cost of the flight. You know, two hundred versus four hundred. My point is that. Even if you finish fifth, mm-hmm. you're not making money. 
Right. You're not making real money. Right. Is that an we, expectation? It's, it, I don't know if it's necessarily an expectation, but if we're talking about trying to grow prize pools mm-hmm. to support more players, then we're talking about a hill of beans versus a slightly larger hill of beans, relatively speaking. Sure, but a step in the right direction is a step towards something better, isn't it? I, I, I think so, but I feel like, like especially for the bigger events, like your Capcom Cups, your Tekken World Tour Finals, your Evos, I feel like they re- really need to explore alternative mm-hmm. uh, ways of funding the prize pools, like compendiums. I would love to see more stuff more in-game stuff, more costumes like the CPT mm-hmm. uh, costume pack. I feel that's a great idea. I, I, I'd love to see more of those things in more games yeah. because I feel like that is going to be what really boosts uh, these prize pools. I agree. The other thing, too, is uh, I do think that more money for higher for the higher placing more money for the prize pool is never a bad thing however i think one thing we overlook is that money needs to come from somewhere right uh and does it suck that it might have to come from everybody yes maybe uh like it it might have to come from the pop monsters it might have to come from like the people who go to tournaments for fun just to go see their friends and have the social aspect of it um Yes, and like I said, like spending ten dollars that I'll never see again, perfectly fine. Spending twenty dollars I'll never see again is a little bit of a tougher pill to swallow. But where else can that money come from? And I think you mentioned it. It's like you know we have uh, sponsorships and all this other stuff. However, like that's been kind of the big like deterrent, I think, with the growth of the FGC is there hasn't been like big sponsors putting up big money, and. I think it might just be because we don't have an attractive enough uh, ecosystem to uh, have those big sponsors paying out big monies, you know? Well, I mean, we've seen some of that for Tekken World Tour. You know, Bandai Namco made the big investment after mm-hmm. they got they got kind of raked over the coals a bit. Capcom has put a lot of money into yes. pricing for Capcom Cup. I feel like right now, especially in an environment where live events aren't you know that mm-hmm. ecosystem is so hampered right now mm-hmm. is a big reason why we're not seeing that sort of thing as much yeah yeah however that does come from the publishers but i think so they're the ones who have the most the the most reason to get people invested mm-hmm. in the game i agree because it's their game it I've said it so many times. These pro circuits, uh, these big events are effectively advertising for these games. Mm-hmm. Hey, here are these great players. See the great things they're doing in this game. You could do that too in this game. How do you start? Buy this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, to that same point, Capcom, Bandai Namco, even like indie game, even like the smaller studios, like let's say like Skullgirls, for example. 
uh, or uh, something like KI. Uh, well, granted, KI was Microsoft, and we know how rich they are. Uh, or we'll you know, let let let's uh, talk about uh, Brawlhalla because their circuit has a one point three million dollar prize pool this year. However, to that point, I have I have been working on the other side of esports recently, which is why I've been like absent from the show once or twice, three times, four times, five, etc. Uh, I did not realize how big Brawlhalla is outside of our ecosystem, outside of the FGC. It is crazy. They had a big finals in Romania last year, like in December, I think. Maybe like the end of November. It is unbelievable how wild people go for Brawlhalla. And like the and much like Melee, they're just like they have like a little bit of the connection to the FGC, but their real bread and butter is completely outside of the FGC. And I never realized that. Right. I think when back when we had Mike on the show, he also he used to always joke that it was uh, like a money laundering scheme because there was so much money moving around, but nobody would play the game. All we had to do was open our eyes. That's wild. I never thought that Brawlhalla would be the biggest fighting game out there. And it kind of is. It is crazy. It is absolutely wild. And because they have that giant following, they're able to put up the big numbers. And they also have a lot of other title sponsors and a lot of uh, other very wise marketing schemes utilizing other companies spending money to advertise their products, which they put into the price pool. Which I think may be the way moving forward. Like, I've always said, like, dude, could you imagine, like, remember Totino's, when Totino's sponsored uh, SCR? And we had, like, the greatest line in the FGC marketing Holy ever. Totinos. Holy Totino's. Like, could you imagine if it's, like, uh, Street Fighter Five Pool A is sponsored by this company, right? Or, like, Street, uh, like, Guilty Gear Pool B is sponsored by, you know, I don't know, like sunglasses or whatever uh remember when we were uh when street fighter was on e-league yes uh they had uh, let me let me uh let me find the exact wording of this they had a a post-match pop-off sponsored by navy federal credit union Mm -hmm. yeah and now, granted, I'm giving out, I'm saying this like it's easy. It's obviously not, right? TOs go through a lot, and adding this to their plate, I'm sure, doesn't help in any way. Sorry, I was throwing away that drink that I finished. Um, but I think in the great grand scheme of things, something that has bugged me about the FGC for the past like five years is the broadcast format. Right, like watch a pool, sit through five minutes of the same ads over and over and over again. Watch another set of pools, sit through five minutes of the same ads over and over again. It feels like football, and I don't watch football specifically because it feels like you watch one play and then all of a sudden it's commercial time. Um, I believe we can get more creative in finding more ways of including more sponsors, both in uh, in the broadcast and in the actual venue for stuff. 
Now, the other thing, too, is we have to remember, and I just thought of this. TOs are, like, being a TO is a labor of love. Nobody's making money being a TO. So, these sponsorships that they get for the venue, these sponsorships that they get for the event itself, probably goes into recouping a lot of the costs for the event itself. My initial thought as I started introducing this concept was, oh, why instead of that money going to uh, going to the broadcast or going to something else, why doesn't it go back to the players? And it's because there's not all that much money to go around. And therein we go back to the giant circle that is the problem of there's no money in fighting games. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I'm curious to see how this experiment goes. I think Javi said he was going to commit to doing $20 entry fees for the bigger games. I'm curious to see uh, how this experiment goes. And, you know, if this is the new wave of things, this is the new wave of things. $20 is the new $10, you know? What do you think, Steve? Uh, I think that this is an issue that it might be a while before we get some a definitive answer on. Mm -hmm. But what we do have a definitive answer on is, is the which games are in the CEO 2022 lineup. Now, I just want to say that usually this first segment is saved for the recap. That's why I completely skipped over it. And I caught it after we started discussing our first topic. So I apologize for we're, those of we're, you. We were in too deep. Yeah. <laughs> and especially tying into the Twitter discourse thing, it was I couldn't pass it up. However, Steve... What's going on with CEO? Huh? Well, CEO, uh, registration opened last week, and it was a it it was incredibly incredibly popular, as you would expect at a CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, the hotel associated connected to the venue sold out in about fifteen minutes. Mm -hmm. Which scares me for Combo Breaker. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, we are going to have to, you know, we're going to have to game plan after the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in hyping up which games were going to be in the lineup, Jabaley promised 18 games as well as an exclusive NFT for all CEO attendees. Mm -hmm. Now, this is... We now when I heard NFT, you know, it's immediately polarizing. How dare Jabali try to set up an NFT? How dare anybody in the FGC try to set up an NFT? Uh, the NFT that everyone is going to get at CEO is a nice, fun tournament. How if dare. you expected anything else? You do not know Jabali. Yep. Got Jabated. But we do have the full <laughs> list of games uh, after that terrible, terrible joke he, he set up. We do have the full list of games right there. Uh, 18 games, as I said, and let's go through them. Both BB Tag and BB Central Fiction are there. CVS 2. The big surprise is probably Def Jam Fight for New York. The best one. The the best one. But you've also got DBFZ, Grand Blue, Strive, of course, King of Fighters 15, of course, Melty, 
You've got MK11. You've got Soul Calibur 6, Street Fighter 3, and Street Fighter 5. Melee and Ultimate in on the Smash side of things. Super Turbo, Tekken 7, and Marvel 3. Let me... Which of those games do you think is going to have the largest turnout, and which do you think will have the smallest? Uh, when is CEO? Is it in June? June. Okay. June 24th through 26th. Initial reaction is... Oh, dang. Also, they have uh, CVS2. I completely... Like I completely missed you saying that. I know you said it. I just missed it. Um, my gut instinct would tell me King of Fighters because that's the newer game. However, I think that's a couple months out, right, from the release, which is coming up in, what, like a week? Um, well, yeah. I, I think the big question is, you know, at least on the U.S. side of things, is it going to be the first super big major with KOF? Or is it going to be the second? Because mm-hmm. we've got Combo Breaker, it's, which is typically on uh, Memorial, Memorial Day weekend, Day. Yep. but it is announcing, we, we assume it's going to be the tournament, like mm-hmm. 99.9. Uh, it is announcing later than it usually does. So mm-hmm. there is the possibility that maybe it's later in the schedule. Um, yeah. But then, that, then it brushes up against... Evo, whenever that's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, yeah we're, uh, we're getting back into it, Steve. <laughs> but uh, no, bring but, it on. I've, you got the schedules ready? <laughs> I got the schedules ready. They've been locked in the vault. <laughs> I'm opening it up like Disney. You know, here's Bambi. Oh, here's Excel. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. Calm down. <laughs> But uh, to your question, then, my gut instinct, no, my brain wants to say King of Fighters 15 because it's the newer game that's going to be the most populated. However, it's a few months after the release, so it totally depends on how KOF does after it releases, right? Because usually with these bigger games, or not with these bigger games, but usually with KOF games is you have a giant turnout of people, uh, or not kof even like snk or even like newer fighting games you have a big turnout for the first two and then the initial like honeymoon phase of it dies out after a couple months and then the actual core audience of it sticks with it while everybody else moves on to the next thing and and that's not necessarily because the game is bad it's because every new game draws in people who are sort of on the fence like yeah i'll give it a shot maybe it's my thing maybe it's not for some of those people, even if the game does everything right, it's just not their mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But I, with I, that said, go ahead. I would love to see Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 be the big game up there. Was CEO the tournament where Mike Ross broke the cage? Yes. Okay. I want more cage of that. Cage Crusher Ross. By the way, I hope Mike's doing well wherever he's at. Uh, but uh, Salute to you, sir. But uh, but yeah, I would like to see more of that. <laughs> As in, like Marvel three hype. All right, my guess, mm-hmm. I think I think the the biggest game is going to be Ultimate. 
True. Because, yeah. If, if you don't know, CEO is one of the few traditional FGC events that is a big deal within the Smash community. Mm-hmm. So True. I definitely feel CEO uh, or that Ultimate's going to be the big game. I think on the traditional FGC side of things, I think Gear will will take that mm-hmm. that spot. Um, and on the small side, I'm guessing probably CVS two. What did they What did they have in 2019? Did they have a like a Royal Rumble? No, not a Royal Rumble. They had a Royal Rumble type thing, right? No, what? Not in 2019, 2018, where they had one person go up and play, yeah, that... or like two people go up and play, and then the loser hopped off, and then another person came out. That was like one of the like most fun style of exhibitions I think I've seen in a long time. And then like Tubbleware came out, took off his shirt, and did some sumo stuff on the ring. And then, like, got beat up by Justin Wong. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I wonder what game it would be this year if they do that. True. There, yeah, because I think they did it They so did it with many. Edition Select in Street Fighter 4, I think, when I when I watched it. Yeah. But, you know, they typically, you know, that's typically a 10-game mm-hmm. lineup, 9, 10-game lineup. Yeah, Usually not 18. Yeah. So maybe we won't necessarily see as much of that sort of stuff this year. True. Very true. Is this the most game CEOs ever had? I think so, right? Is this the bigger line? Absolutely. Biggest? At at least in the Jabali area. Mm-hmm. Or the Jabali era. Mm-hmm. Not the Jabali area. You well, do both. not want to be in the Jabali area. It's <laughs> both, right? Because it's in Florida where Jabali resides. Yeah, you, he, 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 well, he travels. He yeah. travels the globe. So yes. the Jabali area is mobile. <laughs> the, the Jabali nomad. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, Steve, what are you hoping to see out of CO 2022? What do you think? Like, what's your like just, number one v- vision for CEO 2022? My, my, my. Top three things I want to see. Mm-hmm. Enjoyable offline tournaments with hype crowds. Someone makes an announcement. And no attendees do stupid stuff that makes the front page a Kappa. That's it. Mm-hmm. Those are my three things. If I get those, I'm a happy guy. I don't want to see no crabs thrown. I don't want to see no people getting arrested for stupid stuff. Just go have fun, play some games, talk some smack, and then leave Mm -hmm. with your dignity. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, You know, I, I think one of the things you said, well, first of all, uh, nobody doing stupid stuff. Definitely way high on the list, right? Because was it this last CEO that somebody pulled a fire alarm or something? Remember, I'll, I'll be honest. Somewhere. I'll be honest. I am it. Anything beyond or before the start of 2020 feels like a complete generation ago. True, very true. 
Uh, you know what feels like a complete generation? You know what else feels like a complete generation ago is when Kwanzai first subbed. And now he has been subbed for 50 months. Thank you, Kwanzai. Big Welcome to you. the 5 0 Club. Wow, that was good. Best of five, 5 0. Not cops, though. Well, maybe, I don't know. Like, unless you're <laughs> That's into a it, different I, club. Yeah. That's a different club. <laughs> we are not. We are not commenting on that club. We are commenting on the five zero month club. I just wanna. Man, I'm sorry, Steve. I, <laughs> and I just whatever color stripe you have in the middle of your flag on your Facebook profile, that is not part of the discussion today. This is simply about fifty months of subscribing to Best of Five. That is it. That is all. <laughs> oh man, thank you for the clarification. That was very, uh, that was very needed. I appreciate that. Ah, uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about business. Well, I did want to say one more thing about CEO. Okay. Uh, to to something that you brought up is announcements at tournaments. I would love to see that again. Yes, man. I want to see. I go ahead. I, I just said, I want to see another out of left field, like, Negan announcement. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, whenever I'm sad, I just watch, like, crowd reactions to fighting game announcements at, like, Evo. Or, like, at CEO. Like, anytime I feel like, you know, I'm, like, my day's going rough, I just watch that one video from that Esteban Cot of uh, Joe, L.I. Joe, seeing Urien. Street Fighter Five for the first time, where all he did was just grab the top rope of the ring and just started like going crazy. Stuff like that makes me smile on the inside, and having more of that's never a bad thing. <sighs> anyway, I just wanted to put that out there, just because that's important to me. Now, Steve, you wanted to mention some business, huh? Well, we probably should mention some business because, like I said. We're, we're, we're down to three gaming companies now. Mm -hmm. Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and the Honey Pop Company, whatever they're called. <laughs> That's it. Everyone else is under one of those other, other three umbrellas now. That's, that's what's changed since the last time we were on this show together. Yeah. So here's the sitch. Since the last time we've been on, uh, let's talk about the big one first. Microsoft out of left field and what's even crazier is uh th like more information has been coming out and apparently this deal was made like in a month or two which makes it even wilder but in a completely crazy like i think honestly like probably the biggest acquisition maybe ever in this side of the world uh not just in games but just in general uh Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard Entertainment for sixty-nine nice billion dollars. Absolutely with, insane. With this purchase absolutely insane. With this purchase, Microsoft now has a total of thirty-one studios under their belt, including the giant uh purchase of Zenimax, which includes Bethesda, ID software. Uh, and all those other guys. Uh, and on top of that, 
under the Microsoft umbrella are a lot of companies that we have forgotten about until recent year or like in recent years. And while the quantity of things that Microsoft has bought with this uh, crazy acquisition is wild, the impact on the games and esports industry is something that I think is going to be life-changing for all of us, for all of us. And here's why. What did Microsoft get with the Activision uh, Blizzard purchase? Sure, they got Overwatch. Sure, they have World of Warcraft. Sure, they have Call of Duty, which they have said is not going to be a console exclusive moving forward. Will they change their minds? Who knows? Um, so they have the games. Now, the other stuff that they got with it is Overwatch League. Call of Duty League. World of Warcraft League. I'm sure that's a thing. Any hope of a StarCraft 2 return to esports. Right? All of the crazy Blizzard esports stuff is now under the Microsoft umbrella. Steve, do you know what else is under Microsoft umbrella? Uh, I believe you're going to say MLG. MLG is also under the Microsoft umbrella. So, it sounds like on top of the acquisition, like the video games and the IPs that they own now, it sounds like they're lining up to have a giant shift uh, of focus towards esports because they have all of this under their umbrella. Granted, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Call of Duty League started... I think a couple weeks ago and up until this year it was handled internally right blizzard esports uh or i'm sorry activision esports handled call of duty league or call of duty world championship whatever it was called this year call of duty league broadcasts and the competition is being handled in a partnership with a company called esports engine and they're also the people who do uh, Twitch rival stuff. They have done a, a couple of fighting game tournaments here and there, so they do have a little bit of an FGC uh, presence. They, they are sponsoring the Arc Revo America Finals as well. Mm -hmm. So, the really funny thing about this, and this is something that I do want to point out, just because I didn't know this until recently, but Adam Apicella, who is one of the founding employees of MLG moved on from MLG to become the vice president of esports at Blizzard. And in 2019, he left Blizzard as the vice president of esports to start a little company. Want to guess what that little company's name was, Steve? Um, it wasn't the Honey Pop Company, was nope. it? Nope. It was Esports Engine. So how crazy is it? I, and this has nothing to do with fighting games, but how crazy is it that this dude who like ran Blizzard esports for a couple years, leaves the company, and then two years later, the company's like, please work with us again. That's wild. Uh, but anyway, all this to say, what's going to happen with Call of Duty League? What's going to happen with Overwatch League? Now that they're all under this umbrella with MLG, you know, one of the biggest, like one of the biggest names in the establishment of esports, right? 
So I'm curious to see where that goes in that sense. It's going to be like one of those like industry changing things when they start announcing stuff for it, when the deal goes through. Speaking of, a couple more details. Sorry, Steve. The detail or the deal has not gone through yet. It's expected to go through in 2023. It has to get vetted by the uh, by the government, the the feds. Uh, however, yeah. go ahead, Steve. You can you can tee up this part. I was gonna say to that point, it looks like is it is going to get extra scrutiny. Mm -hmm. um, typically, when uh, American companies merge. Uh, they are, and there's any sort of risk of antitrust concerns. It's typically reviewed by the U.S. Justice Department. However, reportedly, because of how many big tech mergers we've seen and the government's concern about uh, monopolies within technology companies, uh, it looks like this deal is going to be investigated or oversought by the Federal Trade Commission. Mm -hmm. So uh, we may see some stipulations added on as a condition of the merger yep. or a condition of the purchase. There's been a lot of speculation that the feds are probably going to try to block this, right? Because it turns uh, Microsoft into a monopoly in the games industry. However, something important to think about also, uh, Deuce is Deucey too has uh, said hi for the first time. So hello, Steve Wife. Be polite. I'm typing. I'm typing a, a greeting. <laughs> uh, something to think about: video game IPs are not a set number of like it's not a finite number, right? When you talk about uh, monopolies, like for example. Uh, I think for a couple of times, uh, the feds blocked AT&T trying to purchase Comcast because that would indeed be a monopoly because of the uh, percentage of the U.S. covered by that ISP, those ISPs. However, when you're talking about video games, video game companies are not a finite number. Video game companies come and go, you know, unlike something like Internet. So I think I'm have I don't think the feds are going to block this deal. I think this will go through. Can I be wrong? Absolutely. Will I be wrong? We'll see next year, which still feels like it's a decade away. So we also have news after that of a big purchase by Sony. Mm-hmm. Sony uh, announced that they are acquiring Bungie, the studio that current that was behind Halo and is behind Destiny, mm -hmm. for a reported three point six billion dollars. And and they spent an extra one point two billion dollars on employee retention programs from people at Bungie. So a total of like four point eight, almost five billion dollars. Not anywhere near the sixty-nine billion, but still a very, very hefty chunk of change. The hilarious part of this is most popular PlayStation One title, Crash Bandicoot, owned by Blizzard. Most popular Xbox One title, Halo, currently owned by Sony. The tables have turned. 
it's, it is strange. Um, they did announce that their intent is to keep uh, Bungie as an independent subsidiary mm-hmm. of Sony, um, which will be allowed to publish their titles multi-platform. Yep. So, so, the, so you will still see future Destiny titles on on Microsoft platforms. Yep. So essentially, Bungie can publish to whomever they want, however they want. Which then begs the question, Steve. Sony spent $4.8 billion acquiring this company. They are not making it a PlayStation exclusive. So what in the hell was the point? We need to dig deeper. And this is where we follow the breadcrumbs, Steve, my good sir. Come with me as we follow these breadcrumbs. This purchase seems absolutely completely useless. Right, because Sony buys the studio, they can still publish to whomever they want. Nothing changes. Right, I don't have tweets, I don't have uh, documents for you. However, I do have knowledge because I've been sleuthing. Okay, we need to look deeper. Why spend five billion dollars on a company if you're not going to have it an exclusive for PlayStation? If you're just gonna like get a cut, like what do they get a cut? Sony's purchase of Bungie goes deeper than Destiny. They, the key to our mystery lies in the extra $1.2 billion that they spent on employee retention. Which means they're trying to incentivize all of the employees for the company that they had just bought to stay. So... It's not Destiny. It's the people working at Bungie. What do people at Bungie do aside from Destiny? I ask you. They did Halo for a time. That was cool. What does Bungie do best right now? The answer actually lies in Destiny. Destiny is now a completely free-to-play game. However, it is a very populated free-to-play game and a very lucrative free-to-play game. So, I believe Sony is grabbing a hold of uh, Bungie because they want to take their approach to service-based games and apply it to their games. This is the Sony answer to the Microsoft Game Pass. The Microsoft Game Pass has been the single most industry-shifting uh, industry shifting concept that we've seen in like the past decade for video games, right? Since the Sega channel, if you will, you pay $20 a month. You can play almost any game that's uh, under the Microsoft umbrella on this game pass. And that's it. Even new games, you can play day one releases on this game pass thing. That's wild. Offer a subscription service. So with this acquisition of Bungie, Sony's answer to Microsoft's subscription plan, the Game Pass, is going to be games as a service, which means maybe free-to-play games or extremely, extremely cheap games, which then are supported for a long amount of time, have a lot of microtransactions, and are very lucrative. Now, am I pulling this out of my ass? The answer is no, because after I thought this, Sony in an earning call with its investors, 
the CFO, Hiroki Totoki, said, and I quote, well, it's like an English quote. He said it in Japanese, obviously. Through close collaboration with Bungie and the PlayStation Studios, we aim to launch more than 10 live service games by the fiscal year ending in March 31st, 2026. So, Sony's answer to the Microsoft Game Pass is to make free-to-play games that become very lucrative. So, why does that matter in the FGC? We've been talking about Street Fighter VI and how Street Fighter V started going down this games-as-a-service thing. It's been out for five years at this point. Maybe even more. I think it came out in 2015. Uh, so, this, I think, taking all of the background information that Bungie has like gathered by making uh, by making Destiny and Destiny 2 free to play still making them extremely lucrative and keeping a studio afloat on a free to play game i think they're going to take the knowledge that Bungie has gathered and all of the uh pros processes that Bungie has uh, has been using within the past couple years to make free-to-play games lucrative, and they're going to apply those to Sony games. We've been talking about Street Fighter VI. Should it be a free-to-play game? Should it not? The door is open. Couple this with all of the crazy tournament uh, tournament services and all of the other crazy services that they have been uh, touting within these past couple of months. Right, like they talked about the tournament feature that they're going to put in games where games don't have to create leagues. PlayStation does it for you. We talked about the replay thing that they have, the Hawkeye stuff. I think all of this is building up so that Sony starts automating esports things in their games without having the publisher have to do anything. Microsoft is also loading up on the esports stuff with the MOG and the Blizzard purchases. I think this is where the future of video games is going. It's going to be subscription services, microtransaction services. It's going to be automated tournaments and involvement versus crazy high budget productions. I think that's where we're going, and that's where the breadcrumbs lead us. I, I, I don't think that's just a, a video game thing. You see it with the rise of Netflix and all of these streaming services for tv you know product as product is making way for product as service mm -hmm. you know it, it, it's it's no longer about owning the the thing you want it's about renting access to it and i i feel like that's just a natural extension of the way things are going for better or for worse my opinion worse, but you know, I'm I'm an old fogey. Yep. Uh <laughs> at the end of the day, I'll be happy to not have to fork over seventy bucks for a new game though. Well, like a more affordable option for games. I'm down. Hell, I bought the Microsoft Game Pass. I've never owned an Xbox in my life. I have the Game Pass. What if you end up spending more on a game? Overall? As long as I don't know about it. I mean, as long like, as what I mean about that is, as long as it doesn't feel like it, I'm sure I'll be happy to fork over the money. Think about this: Street Fighter Four. If you were talking about 
a game, you know, paying $2 a month to play it versus buying the whole thing for 60 70 bucks and then whatever DLC. Yeah, I bought that DLC. I still have access to the game. I own the game. I can play it whenever I want versus if you forget to change credit cards, mm-hmm. you know, if you change credit cards and, I don't know, that's... <sighs> and well, you know... You know well, to, to your point as well, like, look at the longevity Street Fighter V has gotten. And honestly, I think Street Fighter V has this kind of longevity because we haven't had to pay for every expansion. Do you imagine having to pay an extra, 50, like, 40, 50 bucks every year like we did with Street Fighter IV, Super Street Fighter IV, Arcade Edition, Arcade Edition 2012, and Ultra? Yeah, well, some of those were free. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. And you know, with that you know said, weird, though? I, oh, I do want to make one more point. With that said, uh, I've been big into racing, as you know. I have an iRacing subscription. I pay 20 bucks a month, and I have to buy tracks and cars. But in turn, it gives me a very, very, very good experience in sim racing. Right? And the fact that they're adding more to it every day, like they're updating it constantly. Like, I'm willing to pay those 20 bucks a month if I get to keep having as good of an experience as I have been. So, and that feels a lot more digestible than spending $70 on a game that I might not like. Cyberpunk kind of took all of that illusion away. Cyberpunk took a lot of things away mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Yep. But anyway, I'm sorry. What was your point? I just really wanted to finish that thought. Oh, it wasn't the point. It was another investment that oh, has go for it. been in the uh, fighting game news over the past week. And this is one that involves Capcom. Um, About a week ago, it was disclosed by Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, uh, which is the official uh, investment fund of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and its its ruling uh, family, that it had purchased... Five, approximately 5% of Capcom shares from the open market. Uh, this was not them striking a deal with Capcom. This was them buying up shares uh, just like any other individual. Uh, but they did cross the 5% threshold, which means they did have to disclose it. Uh, the value of those shares was about... $320 million at the time of purchase. Um, this They have said that this is a pure investment and it is not uh, an intent to take over the company. Uh, because if once you cross the 5% threshold, you do have to disclose what your intent is uh, with those shares if you're looking to perhaps become a majority shareholder down the line or what have you. This is, uh, this was not their only investment over the past couple weeks. They also bought uh, the same company, or or the same investment fund, bought 5% of shares of Nexon, who is the maker of uh, Dungeons & Fighters, for approximately $880 million. And just a few days ago, they announced that they had purchased... 6.7% shares 
of Korean company NCSoft, uh, who is oh, I forget which game they made. They made uh, uh, no, they made Guild Wars. Guild Wars, that's what it was. Yes, Guild Wars and Guild Wars Two. Uh, so that purchase was uh, in up worth approximately six hundred and sixty million dollars. So the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and this is after. Go ahead, go ahead. Steve, it goes deeper. So I, I, I almost passed out right there. Sorry. Let's dive into more breadcrumbs. Steve, do you know what investment they made a couple of months ago? Uh, actually, over a year ago, if, you, if it's the one I think you're talking about. SNK. Okay, that wasn't who I was talking about. Okay, well, let, let, let me build SNK, on that then. Go to SNK, and then we'll circle back. Go for it. Uh, if you'll remember back to the end of 2020, uh, SNK had a de- had a deal announced with uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia's charity, his his charity, uh, and its fully owned subsidiary or subsidiary, uh, the Electronic Gaming Development Company, to purchase. 33 and a third uh, percent of SNK shares, which at the time was worth about $216 million. And with an additional deal down the road to purchase another 17.7%, which w- which takes their control once that purchase goes through up to 51. So then that would mean that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia's Charity is the majority shareholder of SNK. That is to come. Steve, it doesn't end there. Also at the end of 2020, this same fund purchased a very large percentage. I wish I had the numbers, but I don't. Purchased a very large percentage of another company, Steve. Which company? And I think actually Blizzard it was... Blizzard Activision. Pro- yeah, it was 2021, I think. I, I could be wrong yeah. about that. But they purchased shares of Activision Blizzard at the worst time. While Activision Blizzard was tanking, they were getting sued. Their CEO, who's still on the board, but he's probably going to get removed as soon as this Microsoft deal goes through. In the middle of this entire storm. This fund invested money in Blizzard. After the Microsoft purchase, they wound up raising, like, their investment netted them $1.1 billion because of the stocks shooting up after the Microsoft purchase. So, what do they know? They have bought Capcom recently. Is Capcom going to be bought by either uh, Microsoft or Sony? Nintendo? Probably not. Uh, what did they know about Exxon? Is Exxon getting purchased by something? Is there something big coming down the pipeline? Is there insider trading? Did they know, Steve? You mean Nexon? Because Exxon is a completely I meant Nexon. different company. Exxon is the gas company, sorry. <laughs> so, also, at the same time they owned, uh, they had purchased shares in Activision Blizzard, they had also purchased shares in uh, 
Take-Two Interactive, mm -hmm. and Electronic Arts, who published Madden and EA and several other popular games. This isn't... This doesn't appear to be just targeting one company. This is the kingdom of Saudi Arabia making a big investment on technology and gaming as a way to supplement the country's income. I think they know something we don't, Steve. $1.1 oh, billion dollars on that Activision deal. Granted, they haven't sold the shares yet, so I don't know if they have that money. But that's like the net profit that they've made since they bought those stocks. So, I, I and there's the whole conversation about, you know, oh, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of reason to be concerned about, about the government of Saudi Arabia. Is there? And... And now you have not just one company, but several companies who have money, you know, who are, you know, have that kingdom as investors. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, first of all, to start off this entire discussion of morals, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Let's get that straight. That's, yeah, that, it, no matter how how deep you dig you're going to find something or someone benefiting from it that mm -hmm. is going to be vastly opposed to the things you you support mm -hmm. there absolutely is no ethical consumption under capitalism literally everything we buy every day there's something messed up happening in the supply chain somewhere the money's going somewhere and we won't like it when we find out where that is our own country USA has done so much messed up crap. I'm sure there's so many other companies that as soon as like an American makes an investment, they're like, oh, I don't know. He's American. Is that morally okay to do? Uh, you know, like at the end of the day, money talks. People talk worse. I guess we should just, you know, if the Saudi Arabia government as messed up as some of the stuff that goes over there is, uh, is at the end of the day, if they profit from some of the stuff that Capcom and Nexon and Blizzard are doing, I say we just keep enjoying our video games. <laughs> what a way to end that topic. <laughs> I mean, topic. Is there, like, I tried to say topic. Yeah, I mean, there like, is no graceful exit. No, there is no graceful exit from that. Yeah, especially thinking about money like their ethics doesn't belong in this conversation and not that i'm not saying that ethics is good or bad i'm just saying if we really dig everything is bad does anyone say ethics is bad well i mean the discussion of ethics right like okay, who's good okay. who's bad because uh, like i thought ethics were were good by default I, it depends on who you ask ethics is subjective my friend that is true What's, what's Look, at the end of the day, a friend of mine told me an advice his dad told him that has kind of stuck with me for a while. And it's at the end of the day, get that bag. You need money to survive. So let's keep getting that bag. All right. So you're saying that cash rules everything around you? I mean, doesn't it? The cream? Dollar, dollar bills, y'all? Yeah. 
it is for the kids. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, whoever said money doesn't buy happiness was rich and they don't understand anything. So that's the end of that topic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we talked a lot about a lot Holy of crap, things. Holy crap, it's 9.30. All right, Steve, let's go through this real quick because I really – are you cool with hitting – the the last topic i'm just gonna ramble on about biking for two minutes and then we can hit the last topic because i think this might be the last episode before kof releases yeah it's uh, before it officially releases it okay we'll hit uh early access uh on valentine's day so Ooh, sorry to all the ladies and guys out there who have significant <laughs> others in the fgc all right, all right go ahead go go First, go, 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 go biking i've been playing a lot of biking she's very fun I just wish she didn't suck so bad. Her parry is ass. And I really wish it was good because landing it feels real good. When you get the big grab, when you parry someone close enough, it feels good. But if you parry someone far away, it just basically resets everything into neutral. And that sucks. If you're fighting somebody like Potemkin, if you're fighting somebody like Axel, if you're fighting somebody like Ramlethal, if you're fighting somebody like Giovanna, if you're fighting somebody like Eddie, you're screwed with that parry. And that makes me very sad. Uh, she gets rushed down a lot. It's very difficult. Uh, she, I think her big reversals are the parry or a super. Uh, she is very fun to play, though. I just wish her parry was good. And the tether. The tether is super fun, but it's a, a double-edged sword. Uh, you've, you've all seen the clip of uh, a Potemkin getting two uh, big, like, mega pop busters, the super, uh, because he's tethered to Biken. So, you know, she's very fun to play. I wish she was a little better. You lost the biking at Southeast. Blue. Get good. <laughs> all right. That's all I have that to say. Was, about that was unnecessary. I know. That I'm was sorry. unnecessary. I'm sorry. But at the end of the day, biking's a very fun character to play. I've been having a lot of fun. I haven't played it in the other games. I haven't done like the alpha counter mechanic that everybody talks about. Um, but I wish that parry was better and like would reward me for pairing something more than it does. Cool. That's all I had to say about biking. Now, Steve. KOF 15 is coming. It is coming. And for some people, it is already here. Uh, uh, review copies are out in the wild. Uh, there are people who have already streamed the game. There are already people who have been banned from Twitch for streaming the game. Uh, Bum, the man who runs House of Chaos, got banned for two days because he was he allegedly streamed some things that he weren't wasn't supposed to stream, or he did it too early. It's unclear. Uh, he's hoping to get that ban overturned uh, very soon. But uh, can, can I just say one thing? Was yeah. he banned for two days? As in, like, his channel will be back in two days? Or has he been since two days ago? Uh, that was two days from now. Uh, because oh, he's, when he's, he's tweeting lifted. about it now. Okay. Yeah, he's tweeting about it now. Okay, so um, in two days that gets lifted, correct? Yes. Okay. So I, I want to say this just because in these discussions, it has been, pissed me off and I don't usually get pissed off a lot. 
I, who am I kidding? Yes, I do. That is not a ban. That is a suspension. Let's please use the right words. A ban is an exile. You're no longer allowed back unless that ban gets lifted. But it's a suspension. If you're banned for two days, that doesn't exist. You're suspended for two days. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say that SNK did ask uh, a couple days ago, officially, uh, we're, we're seeing this more and more from uh, games, especially with Arxis in particular. We've seen this a lot. But they did put out a request saying that uh, asking people to not stream anything from story mode, or excuse me, story mode, gallery mode, or quote, anything else that can be considered a spoiler until the game's release, official release, on February 17th. End quote. Mm. So, Bum says he he wasn't streaming any of that. Uh, I did not catch what what uh, any of his stream. I'm just seeing the aftermath, but it is out there. Uh, if you do want to see people uh, grinding out in trading mode and getting some games in, you have that option available to you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, and that's you know the always the mystery of the mom and pop star stores in New York and <laughs> L.A. Uh, I, we, I remember I we, tried. To, well, go ahead. I was well. Here, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just gonna I say. I remember when I tried to buy Street Fighter Five early. I couldn't get it done. Sad times. So you just need to know the right, the right guy mm-hmm. with who has a certain set of curtains in their apartment that. <laughs> It's instantly identifiable. Ah, uh, that's funny. That is a deep cut of a reference. Is it? <laughs> it feels like it wasn't that long ago. Who it was kidding? in the before time. Yeah, that is very so, true. Yeah. And the game has just uh, completely gone, sadly. Uh, although apparently there's a big, like, there's a big community that still plays. I've been thinking about rebuying it. Anywho. There always is. Yep. There always is. Watch out for those um, curtains, though. It's the lesson. <laughs> uh, we d- I didn't get a chance to show it off last week, but we do have the trailer for uh, the first wave of DLC for SNK uh, for King of Fighters 15. Check it out. A new challenger is ready to brawl. Here we go. Remember when we first started getting this uh, pattern of announcing DLC characters before the game came out and everybody got real pissed about it, but now we see this and it's like, hey, fun. <laughs> now it, it, it is what it is. This is sort of, this is the post, this is the post horse armor world that we live in. <laughs> True. Uh, BJ. Miss B is from England. <laughs> Romanian? Blue says she's English. Miss uh, <laughs> B. Uh, anywho, that's King of Fighters. That's coming out in like f- six days. I'm excited. I'm going to pick it up. I remember playing a lot of King of Fighters 14 and having a good time. I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a good time with Street- King of Fighters 15. I almost said Street Fighter 15. That's weird. Um, now, if you yeah. buy it, are you hoping to make your money back on uh, YouTube King of Fighters trial videos? No. Okay, you missed that article. Then I did. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> What's the article? If you 
If you do not follow the option select, I need follow you. the option select. They, they are so good. My favorite quote from there is like, King of Fighters is has always been about combo trials, says the man whose <laughs> only experience with King of Fighters was KOF 13. It's just... <laughs> that website is just... Chef's kiss is all over. Mwah. Oh man! Mwah. Mwah. And Steve, before we before we leave, I think there's one more thing we need to really appreciate here before we sign off for tonight. And what would that be? It's the long-awaited, the character we all wanted. Shredder is in Nickelodeon All Stars. Got How, Psycho Crusher. Look, there is something in this trailer that I don't think anybody picked up, and I could not be happy with. Keep keep an eye out. First of all, Shredder looks sick. Right? There, there is no denying that. But I think what looks sicker. And remember, before this game came out, I said something along the lines of Oh crap, did we miss it? Oh, it's not in this trailer, it's in the other trailer. Dang it. Anyway. With Shredder is the Double Dare stage. Yeah. Ah, hey, stop it. Get out of here. Double Dare has made it into that... Nickelodeon All-Stars Battle Royale. Or Brawl, I'm sorry. Not Battle Royale. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're playing fast and loose with the names tonight. Yeah, but the moral of the story is before this game came out, I said something on this show, and it was no aggro crag, no buy. Now, I already bought the game, so there better be an aggro crag in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and even if it's DLC, I'll take it. <laughs> but the uh, fact that Double Dare has a stage is hilarious to me. They call it the Slime Zone, I think. Looks pretty fun. But yeah, Trader is in uh, Nickelodeon Arrow Stars Battle Royale, and he looks badass. Can't wait to can't wait to Psycho Crusher some fools. Get some air grabs in there. God, uh, we need. To, I'm done. I am done. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is almost ten o'clock. Golly. Oof. All right. Well, ladies and gents, this has been another episode of the Best of Five. I'm happy we're back, Steve. I'm happy we got to do this show again for the last time. I'm kidding. Excuse me. I'm kidding. Not the last time. Uh, and here's why it's not the last time, Steve. Because next week we have a special treat. We should have a special we treat. Uh, we're not going to say who uh, just yet. Want to make sure it's 100%. But uh, we do have a big interview lined up mm -hmm. for our show. Um, and hopefully, you know, assuming nothing goes wrong at the last minute, uh, we will be able to bring you an interview that. We're, we're looking forward to this one. Mm -hmm. And it is going to be very well-timed. And it's about dang time things worked out for us, Steve, because everybody always announces stuff after our show. So stay tuned to the internet after we sign off, because I'm sure like Street Fighter Six is going to get announced or something. <laughs> I would imagine just like, they're off the air. All right. All right roll the, the trailer. Roll the trailer. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, next week we should have somebody on here to give us uh, a lot of insight into some good stuff and we get to have a nice chat and I'm looking forward to it. 
So, with all that said, ladies and gents, this is the end of our episode for this week. Thank you for joining us. Sorry again for the absences, but we're at least booked until tomorrow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're here, and we're don't fear. We're not f fearful. I'm sorry, Steve. Do you have any parting words? I'm my brain's done. Good night, Canada.